today on New Season. It takes initiative to build when there is no opposition. It takes radical faith to build in the presence of the hell you're going through. It's what we do in front of hell. In other words, God told me who I am. He told me what I have. He unleashed my destiny. Now I'm going to build him an altar of praise even in front of the hell that's in front of me. And now. Here's today's word with Pastor Sam Rodriguez. When life throws you rocks, build an altar. Look at your neighbor and tell him, when life throws you rocks, build an altar. Tell your other neighbor, tell him, when life throws you rocks, build an altar. Tell the person around you that has a slight attitude, tell him, when life throws you rocks, build an altar. Go reach the person who hasn't given God any praise thus far today and tell them when life throws you rocks, tell them build an altar. Tell them stop whining about things, stop complaining about things, stop being miserable about things. Open up your mouth and give God the best praise when life throws you rocks. Verse 22, when Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I am doomed. They have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord replied, don't be afraid, you will not die. Real quick, one, an overflow generation that thrives will not die until they see the promise fulfilled. I'll say that one more time. An overflow generation that thrives will not die until they see the promise fulfilled. Gideon, Gideon under the confines and limitations of the law, he feared death. Now to a great degree, our generation under grace, not here, but in certain sectors, we are afraid to live because this generation lives in a world of unprecedented terror and violence. Read the headlines, man. Turn on television. We're not engaging in rhetorical hyperbole. There exists a diabolical attempt to kill and silence this generation. That, that's just, Satan wants to kill this generation. Hell wants to silence this generation. It, I mean, you could just read it. I mean, you don't even have to go thoroughly into it. You could see it. But here's the great news for you. What Satan says, will never nullify what Jesus already did. What comes from hell can never stop what comes down from heaven. You need to understand this. God told Gideon, I have news for you. Here it is. You're afraid of dying. You're not going to die. He tells them explicitly, you're going to live. God shows up and tells them, I'm going to tell you who you are, what you have, what you're going to do. And by the way, you're not going to die. You're going to live and you're going to see my promises fulfilled in your life. So here's the word God gave me for you today. Just like Gideon, you will live to declare what the Lord has let me speak prophetically right now. I'll say it again. I, I hope everyone around the world listening, this generation will not die. It will live to declare that Jesus is the way. 
his generation will not die. It will live to declare that he is the only way. It will, it will live to declare that Jesus is still God. Psalm 118, 17, raise your right hand. Repeat after me, say, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. You need to understand that that's not just like statements of faith made for the purpose of self-affirmation. It is the word of the Lord. There is an attempt, hay una amenaza contundente que existe. There is an attempt for the purpose of silencing an entire generation. The enemy's objective is to see your reputation die, your integrity die, your character, your dream, your destiny. But in Jesus' name, via the conduit of God's word, led by the Holy Spirit, I am here to declare and decree that you will not die, you will live. I dare you to raise your voice. I dare you to raise your voice and declare, I will live. I dare you to raise your voice and say, I will live. I will live. Raise both hands. Repeat after me. I will live and see my family saved. I will live and see my children do greater things. I will live and see my generation healed. I will live and see my nation transformed. I will live and witness the greatest revival the world has ever seen. All the living people, raise your hands. All the living people, raise your hands. The enemy's objective is to shut you up, to silence and kill your destiny. Oh, by the way, there's a biblical metric for living. How do we know you're living? All that have breath, all that have breath, your praise is proof. Every time you praise, you tell hell, you tell the devil, regardless of what you send my way, I'm still standing, I'm still believing, I'm still prophesying, I'm still moving, I live. All right, all right, all right, we gotta hurry, we gotta hurry. You're not gonna die, you're gonna live to see all of God's promises fulfilled in your life. Oh, okay, okay. An overflow generation that thrives will not die until they see all of God's promises fulfilled. An overflow generation that thrives will build and experience shalom. After God showed up and told Gideon, all is right, do not be afraid, you will not die, then the Bible says that Gideon proceeded in building something powerful. Verse 24, Judges 6, and Gideon built an altar to the Lord and he named it Yahweh Shalom. And to put this in context, he built this. But here's the rest of the story. He built this, but there was was already an altar that existed. This one. Gideon's dad 
Gideon's, his, Gideon's daddy built an altar. It wasn't Shalom. Gideon's dad built an altar dedicated to Baal. This is called the altar of expediency. This is called the altar of Shalom. Gideon's dad, in order to receive affirmation and validation from the powers that be, created an altar of expediency. In essence, he sacrificed truth on the altar of expediency. His generation sacrificed truth and righteousness on the altar of expediency. Gideon comes along and he built Shalom next to the altar of Baal. And that's what God is calling you to do. There are times that God will ask you to build heaven in front of your hell. The religious paradigm and modus operandi would be, we're going to have to tear this sucker down before we build this. We're going to have to destroy Baal before we build Shalom. That's not the biblical order. There are times God will ask you to build even in front of the hell that you're facing. Not when the hell is gone, but right in front of. I'm preaching to somebody now. It takes initiative to build when there is no opposition. It takes radical faith to build in the presence of the hell you're going through. It's what we do in front of hell. In other words, God told me who I am. He told me what I have. He unleashed my destiny. Now I'm going to build him an altar of praise even in front of the hell that's in front of me ah, God is calling you to bring down heaven even in the presence of so much hell God is calling you to be light in the midst of darkness he's calling this generation to build to build shalom in a world full of Baal and Asherah poles. And you may say, how in the world can I build that in the presence of that? Because when a shout of praise stands next to obstructing walls, the shout always wins. When an anointed shepherd boy stands next to a giant, the shepherd boy always wins. When a holy prophet stands next to hungry lions, the prophet of God always wins. And when the lamb that died on the cross stands next to the serpent who deceived in the garden, the lamb of God always If you believe that, open up your mouth and give God the best shout of praise. Matter of fact, matter of fact ah, look at your neighbor, the one you like, and tell him, build the altar. No, 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 no. Tell him, build the altar. Tell him, build the altar. Tell him, build the altar. Build the altar. Build the altar. 
I'm speaking to everyone who has challenges in front of you. All these of everything hell has created and constructed to stop your destiny. You don't need to wait for those things to come down. You need to give God praise in the face of, in the midst of. Every time you praise in the presence of your problem, you build shalom. Yeah, y'all didn't hear that. Every time you praise in the presence of your problem, you build shalom. Every time you worship in spite of your wounds, you build shalom. Every time you love in the face of hatred, you build shalom. So it doesn't matter what hell you're confronting right now. You need to praise like the devil has been defeated. Shout like... You need to shout like nothing can stand in your way. You need to jump like the devil's underneath your feet. You need to dance. You need to dance. You need to dance. You need to dance like nothing can take away your joy. You need to rejoice like no weapon formed against you will prosper. You need to build the altar like if God before you, who can be against you? Look at your neighbor, tell him, build it. No, 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 tell him, build it. And look, look at your neighbor, the one you really like, we call this holy harassment, and tell him, give God that praise. No, no, tell him, give God that praise. Not only the praise that makes you feel good, but the one that makes the devil get out of your way. Give God, give God that praise. Planet Shakers, give God that praise. You need to learn how to build, build shalom, even in the presence of Baal's altar. You have to learn how to do it. There was a special I saw in American television, one of those National Geographic Discovery Channel specials. And they showed a lion. And the lion, the lion was, had accumulated a great amount of resources. He had his babies right next to him on his right hand side. And they showed a lion. And the next scene, after the commercial break, they show the lion attacked by his enemies. His enemies were, in essence, in the animal kingdom, desiring the very things he had accumulated. And God doesn't happen at all in church or in the world. And they attacked him. The next scene you saw was the lion like this. And the lion was bleeding profusely, he was bleeding. The narrator said this, quote, this lion had mortal wounds. So it seemed. And the lion was bleeding. His babies were right here, the next gen. His enemies came closer. They saw him wounded. So they, assuming that he was not going to recover, they looked at his babies and they were about to kill and slaughter his babies. The lion, the narrator said, didn't have the, the power, the ability, the wherewithal, the fortitude to raise his head, 
not even to open up his eyes. Couldn't raise his paws and claws. Had nothing, he was just bleeding. Here were his babies and the last belongings. When his enemies grew closer, when they were about to slaughter the next, out of the lion came this sound. Couldn't look up, couldn't put his chest out, couldn't lift up his paws and claws. The last thing he had going for him, the last arrow in the proverbial quiver, the last thing he had was this. It was a roar that was broken, but it was a roar nonetheless. I kid you not, the moment the lion roared, it was even a broken roar, but it was a roar. Without exception, all of the enemies that were about to touch his babies fled without doing any harm. This is what the narrator said that messed me up forever. The narrator said, the enemies of the lion know very well that while the lion can still roar, they cannot take away what belongs to him. While the church can still give Jesus praise, while there's still a roar upon our lips, while there's worship in your spirit, while there's praise in your lips, the gates of hell will not be able to take away what belongs to us. Are there any lions in the time tell your neighbor build your altar build your altar I gotta hurry I gotta hurry I gotta, hurry. I gotta finish okay what did he call it what did he call it what did he call it did he call it the kumbaya altar what did he call it It wasn't an exercise in futility. It wasn't a, a deviated tangential effort. Of it. He called it shalom. And according to Strong's, this is what shalom means. Hebrew exegetical extrapolation. I don't even know what half those words actually mean, but here we go. Shalom means completion, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, 
safety, tranquility, prosperity, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord where nothing is missing and nothing is broken. I don't know if you're getting this right now. When you know who you are in Jesus, what you have in Jesus, and what you will do in Jesus, not only is the Lord telling you you're a mighty warrior, but he's telling you this is your season of shut up! I dare you to touch one person, tell them shalom. Not say it like you believe it, tell them shalom. This is only for the Gideons in the house. Tell your other neighbor, Shalom. Tell them, Shalom. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, this is my season of Shalom. Tell them, this is my season of Shalom. I am no longer in the threshing floor. I know who I am in Jesus. I know what I have in Jesus. I know what I will accomplish through. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. Not only am I a mighty warrior, not only has God given me the strength to overcome, not only did God tell me the enemy of my household and harvest will be defeated, not only has God told me that I will not die, I will live, but this is my hour. This is my season of completion, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, tranquility, prosperity, rest, harmony, where nothing will be missing and nothing will be broken. Job 5.24, when you survey everything, nothing will be missing. I speak shalom over your family. We speak, stretch out your hands, say, I speak shalom. Speak it over somebody. I speak shalom over your ministry. To every pastor on my right hand side, I speak shalom over your calling, over your finances, over your assignment. To every person here, I speak shalom. I decree and declare in the name of Jesus, this is the season where nothing will be missing and nothing will be broken. If you receive it, if it's really for you, if you, I mean, if you really, if it's not for you, stay seated and go on Facebook. But if it's for you, if, you, if, you, if you're willing to build shalom, if you're willing to experience shalom, even in the presence of fail, open up your mouth and give God the best shout of. Somebody shout shalom! Shalom! Shalom, 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 shalom. We speak shalom over Australia. I said we speak shalom over Australia. We speak shalom over New Zealand. We speak shalom over Singapore. We speak shalom over Asia, Africa, Europe. America, land America, we speak shalom. You gotta be willing to build it.
Not when everything is perfect. Not when everyone likes you and endorses you. Not when culture and society and government validates us. You have to be willing to build shalom even in the presence of Baal's altar. Here you are where nothing is missing and nothing is broken. And then you juxtapose it. It is, it is the quintessential dichotomy. It's a comparative analysis with that. And here you are blessed to be the greatest blessing to everyone. One more time, say shalom. shalom. Raise your hand. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be shalom, may be complete. John 15, 11. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, where nothing is missing, you will abound in every good work. Shalom. I sense such an anointing. God told me, tell them to build. Tell them to build. Tell them to, I took them out of the threshing floor, not so they could spend their time cursing the darkness, but rather so they could turn on the light and darkness will flee. He built this in the presence of this. This is what happens when you praise in the face of your problem and have faith in the midst of adversity. But wait a second, it didn't stay that way. Where's Tim and Dan? Quickly, where are you? The Bible says that after he built it, then he had the spiritual authorization. God told him, aha, I like this. I like what you're doing here. I like this. So God says, aha, uh -huh, you know how to build, huh? So now that you show me that you know how to build, now I'm going to authorize you to deconstruct. <laughs> Tear down your father's altar to Baal. And you may say, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, why can't they both coexist in perpetuity? Can't we all just get along? Why can't we just leave that one there? Because, because you can't speak like heaven and look like hell. <sighs> La sangre de Cristo. Because the prophetic and the pathetic cannot occupy the same space. Because you have to show God the real before you tear down the fake. Something has to go. Here's the word of the Lord. Show me what you can build and I will tell you what you can tear down. Because if you tear it down and you don't know how to construct something even more egregious, more evil will occupy that space. 
1 Corinthians 3.9, we are God's fellow workers, those involved in the field of building. All right, let's do it. When I count to three, here's what I saw prophetically, and we're going to do it. Oh, it's you again. <laughs> You're the best, though. You're thriving now. <laughs> Not that you were ever failing. For the record, for the camera crew and those watching by Daystar, that man right there is anointed, but he's the best failure I've ever had in all of my life right there. I don't even know what that means in a good way. When I say now, I want you to tear this down. The reason is because Gideon did that after he built this. It's what we do here in the face of this. Then we can bring this down. But Spirit of God spoke to me and said, this is the generation that will build shalom, that will build an altar, and will bring down the altar of expediency. So when I say now, I want you to bring this down. Are you ready for this? Stretch out your hands. Because two altars cannot occupy the same space. On the Easter service for Pastor Russell, I shared that two objects cannot occupy the same space. Your faith and fear cannot occupy the same space. Love and hate cannot occupy the same space. Holiness and sin cannot occupy the same space. Your dream and your nightmare cannot occupy the same space. Your past and your future cannot occupy the same space. Are you with me right now? This is gonna hurt somebody. Religious legalism and the grace-filled work of Jesus Christ cannot occupy the same space, man. They can't. Something has to go. I sense such an anointing. I have a question for you. Who, who built that small, who built that altar? What was that? It was his father. There are things that generationally speaking, our forefathers have constructed. And while we respect and honor our parents and our forefathers, indeed, even within the paradigm and the wineskin of our ecclesiastical reality of the church, there are things that were constructed by our fathers and our fathers' fathers that we really need to learn that are outside of biblical orthodoxy. There are issues of dogma that we need to learn to bring down. In the world, there are things that our parents and our parents' parents permitted, and they created an altar of expediency because they wanted to placate to the general culture. And we're going to have to bring it down. Stretch out your hands. When I count to three, I want you to bring it down. This is not like an illustrated sermon, man. It's not. This is a prophetic act. The moment you bring this down, I am believing an entire generation will be set forth, will be unleashed with an overflow to change this world for the glory of Christ. Stretch out your hands. Ready? We're about to tear it down. Tell your neighbor, tear it down. Tear it down. Tear it down. Tear it down. Well, Pastor Sam, in a practical manner, what's about to happen? Well, let me give you just an, an example. If, I, people believe in generational curses. I believe in generational blessings. What does that mean? 
that if your great-grandfather was an adulterer and a philanderer and your father was a philanderer and there's a curse uh, if your great-great-granddaddy was an alcoholic and your granddaddy was an alcoholic and your daddy was an alcoholic yeah 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 yeah. how about this we're gonna break that today and tear down that altar in the name of Jesus you have shalom what does that mean that means that the lord tarries 30 40 50 60 70 years from now there's going to be somebody at planet shakers 2175 if the lord tarries and they're going to say this i'm here because many years ago my daddy's 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 daddy my mama's mama 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 are you ready are you ready? One, two. My father was an alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. They're going to say, My father was blessed. My great grandfather was blessed. My great great grandfather was blessed. My great 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 grandfather was blessed. One, two. Where's the cameraman? Get a close-up for every television network out there. Get ready. There's a generation that came out of the threshing floor with an overflow to build shalom and tear down the altar of Baal. One, get ready, planet shakers. Two, three, break that down. It's over. It's over. Open up your mouth. Give God praise! Give God praise! Give God praise! All right, we're done. Stand with you are standing. Whoever's not standing, just elbow them, tell them you get up too. Nicely, stand with me. Yeah, I guess you are. Pastor Neil, where are you? Where is he? Come here. An overflow generation that thrives will not die until it sees all of God's promises fulfilled in their lives. An overflow generation that thrives will build an altar of shalom even in the presence of Baal's altar. An overflow generation that thrives receives Heaven's authorization, anointing, mandate, a clarion call from heaven to tear down that altar with truth and love. An overflow generation, this is the clincher, this is the, this is the, messed me up when God gave it to me. This is what Gideon does. He builds this, right? He tears that down. I kid you not, in this order. And then the Lord tells him, hey, Gideon, what do you see there? And Gideon says, that's the Asherah pole. It's the biggest thing in town. 
Uh-huh, uh-huh. You see that Asherah pole? Oh, yeah, that's like the, that's the paganistic, paganistic construct, the, con the proverbial quintessential, the biggest construct of intimidation. The Asherah pole. They had it in Gideon's time. Jezebel was famous for constructing this all over Israel. So God looks at him and says, here's what I want you to do with that thing right there. What do you want me to do? I want you to tear it down. That's cool. Like, that's kind of simple, right? It's like chronological, it's logical, the sequence. Cool, I'm gonna tear it down, and then I'm gonna get my peeps, they're gonna get garbage bags, and we're gonna put this stuff away, we're gonna crush it into little pieces, and we're gonna do away with it. Well, no, 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 that's not what I'm asking you to do. What do you mean? I didn't ask you to discard it, I told you to tear it down. Huh? Well, what do I do with the wood? The wood? The very thing that has been constructed to keep you down is the very thing that will fuel your future. What? Read verse 25. You're going to cut it down, cut down the astropole, use it as fuel for your altar. You're not getting that right now. Whatever the enemy has constructed to keep you down, to intimidate you, to shut you up, God's about to turn it around in your favor. That very thing, that very thing the enemy has created to keep you down, God's about to use it to fuel your destiny. All right, Pastor Neil. Are you ready for this? Ready. Pastor Neil had an experience, even in New Guinea, I believe. Correct. Yeah. Where they even cut down an astral pole there, a real one. Real one. You're not making that up? No. This is not like made up. No. And you didn't know what I was going to preach until we shared the story a bit this week. That's right. They actually had an astral pole in New Guinea. Correct, yeah. In, in, in 45 seconds, tell them what happened. This is powerful. The very man I was speak, speaking of that I met went into Parliament as the Speaker of the House and he saw a demon spirit flying around the Ashrapol in Parliament. And uh, the Lord spoke to him and told him, this is what you need to do. You need to go and cut the Ashrapol down. Two years ago, the next day he went into Parliament, he pulled all the timber carvings off the wall all around Parliament, got a chainsaw and chopped them all in half. Then he went into Parliament and he got his axe. He got his axe. He got his axe and he started to start chopping down the astropole. You can't make this stuff up, buddy. Spiritually speaking, the astropole embodies the constructs of the enemy to intimidate the children of God. It is a spirit of manipulation, intimidation, humiliation, exploitation. It is for the purpose of you not living out your destiny. Here's what God's Spirit told me to tell you. This planet shakers, you, this is the generation that will cut down the Asherah poles in the name of Jesus. Are you ready? Are you ready? By the time you get home tomorrow, Sunday, you will see the Asherah poles fueling your destiny. the count of three because I like to count the three. I told you I was a math nerd. When I count the three, you're going to do this. Woo! 
Here's the word of the Lord and place it in your heart. When this thing comes down, from this moment on, from this moment on, de este momento hacia adelante, you will not be defined by the wall in front of you. You will be defined by the shout inside of you. You will not be defined by the giant that rises up against you. You will be defined by the stone that brings him down. So let me prophesy upon you. Are you ready? When I count to three, you're going to hit this thing hard. From this moment on, raise your right hand. Aquí está la palabra del Señor para ustedes. From this moment on, you will not, listen Gideon, listen Thrivers, listen Overflow. You will not go back to the pit. From this moment on, you will not drown in the threshing floor. You will not surrender to Baal. You will not listen to the Midianites or bow before the Asherah pole. You will not fail or merely survive. You and your house will do nothing less than overflow in Jesus and thrive. So planet shakers, are you ready? Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make the last, I'm going to issue the last biblically-based, spirit-empowered, Holy Ghost-led and approved declaration upon you. Once I make it, I'm going to count to three. Pastor Neil's going to start, to, he's going to knock that thing down. The moment he does it, if this is for you, if this message has been for you and you're saying, I am that, I am, I am. I am part of that generation, the overflow, thriving generation that will build shalom in the presence of Baal's altar, that will tear down Baal's altar, that will cut down the Asherah pole and change the world around me. I get it now. I used to be in the threshing floor, but that was then, this is now. So the moment we do that, if that's for you, you come out of your seat somewhere. You fill up the middle aisles, the area, whatever. You show that you're no longer where you used to be. Are you ready? I have to make the declaration though. I, I'm contractually obligated to make the, the declaration. Here it is. Planet shakers, rise up. Rise up. Rise up and obey like Noah. Rise up and believe like Abraham. Rise up and wrestle like Jacob. Rise up and dream like Joseph. Rise up and conquer like Joshua. Rise up and pray like Hannah, worship like David, reign like Esther, prophesy like Elijah. Rise up and shout like Bartimaeus. Rise up and climb like Zacchaeus. Rise up and preach like Peter. Rise up and shake it off like Paul. Rise up and live like Jesus. Rise up, build shalom, cut the pole, and change the world. Because when life throws you rocks, Build an altar. One, two, three. Cut it. Yeah. Yeah. Stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. The words of Jesus, John chapter 5, to the man who was paralyzed. Your days of paralysis are officially over. If you've been blessed by this program, 
If you've heard from heaven, if God has spoken to you, to your family, to your dreaming, your destiny, now I'm going to encourage you right now to generously sow a seed into this ministry. This ministry for the glory of God, not rhetorically, for the glory of God, we are seeing the world change. We are literally reaching millions around the world through God's transformative word, through his power, through his spirit. We're committed to the centrality of Christ, to the word of Almighty God, and through a free flow of his spirit. I want you to help me change the world. I don't want to talk about changing the world. I want to really change the world. But it requires your help, your financial investment, your generous love offering. The information's on the screen. Follow me on PastorSam.com, on Facebook, Reverend Samuel Rodriguez, Twitter and Instagram, Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. I want you to follow me right now, but I want you to visit our website and I want you to give right now. Sow a generous seed. I assure you, your life will be blessed because you and I will be the greatest blessing as we touch the world. We are not talking about changing the world. You and I, we're changing the world in Jesus' name. God bless you. God keep you. If this message has ministered to you, please consider sowing to this outreach ministry. Make your check payable to New Season, P.O. Box 246090, Sacramento, California 95824. Additionally, you may make a secure donation by visiting our website's Give page at NewSeasonWorship.org. If you are in the Sacramento area, we invite you to join us at New Season Christian Worship Center. Sunday worship services are held at 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. We look forward to seeing you there. Thank you for watching. Join us next time on New Season with Pastor Sam Rodriguez.